Hello and welcome to a Thursday afternoon edition of Bill Allen's Facebook Bible Studies. This is one that's going to be on Psalm 81, and I hope that you have your Bible and can turn to that if you want. Glad to have you do that, but I'll be reading it as we go. Um, lots of great things in that psalm, and as you know, we're covering psalms on Thursdays. The book, Oswald Chambers' book, uh, My Utmost for His Highest, on Tuesdays. Thursdays, the book by Timothy and Kathy Keller, both of these being daily devotional guides like uh, the Daily Bible by F. Lagarde Smith or uh, Sarah Young's Jesus Calling or lots of other great devotional books. Uh, the one on Thursday is based on the Psalms and uh, each day you read a little bit out of the Psalm. If it's a short Psalm like Psalm 82, then it's covered in one day. If it's a little bit longer Psalm like Psalm 81, then it's covered in a few days, or if it's a long psalm, like Psalm 119 will be, we're not there yet, but I am not sure how long they spend on that one, but it's a long time. It's the longest chapter in the Bible, 176 verses, I think. Good to know that we're not going to be reading through that one today, but we are reading through Psalms 80, Psalm 81, and it's a psalm that talks about rejoicing and revival. And uh, that, those are those are very much related uh, terms. And I think of the great song, Revive Us Again. I was just reading a little bit about the author of that uh, psalm from the 1800s. He had been through a life-changing experience. He was a doctor in an emergency room and treated a young man who ultimately died, but he uh, was very much a man of faith. And um, uh, had no family, uh, just a, a landlady that he mentioned that he owed rent to, and he asked for her to come so he could pay her. But the Bible that he had uh, was a Bible that uh, the author of the psalm, and I forget his name, had sold at a pawn shop, according to this story, in order to buy uh, whiskey money. And he had gone, he had left from home uh, young as a, a 19 or 20 year old and uh, had given up that Bible. But when uh, the boy passed away, they asked, what do we do with his book, as he called it, his Bible, his only possession. And the doctor said, well, I'll, I'll take care of it. I'll, I'll uh, uh, give it away or something. And so he had already been touched by the boy. And when he opened up the Bible, he realized that it was the exact same Bible that his mother had given him. Uh, all those years ago, and he um, he recognized her handwriting and, of course, the message. And uh, and so as he thumbed through the Bible, the boy had uh, marked things, underlined things, just like you do in yours. I used to do that in mine, but as a preacher, I did it too, too so much that I couldn't tell which notes I was supposed to be preaching from. So, But that uh, that man went uh, from there, and it was about that time, after, right after that experience, that he began to write some hymns. I uh, started going back to church again, and one of the hymns that he wrote was Revive Us Again. Um, uh, Fill each heart with thy love. May each soul be rekindled with fire from above, one of the verses in that great psalm says. Um, so as we think about rejoicing and revival, um, those are related terms, of course, but one of the things that kind of comes in there somewhere is the call to repent and the call to be obedient. And that's something, interestingly enough, that uh, the psalm we're looking at today, Psalm 81, actually uh, acknowledges. But it's a great call to worship, as so many of the psalms are. 
and this one starts out that way in Psalm 81, beginning at verse 1. Sing for joy to God our strength. Shout aloud to the God of Jacob. Begin the music. Strike the timbrel. Play the melodious harp and lyre. Remember, these are all from the Old Testament times when they used instruments of music. And just like they did animal sacrifices, worshipped on the Sabbath, went to Jerusalem for the feasts, all of those things. Uh, sound the ram's horn, verse 3, at the new moon, and when the moon is full on the day of our festival, this is a decree for Israel, an ordinance of the God of Jacob. It's a call to worship. Sing for joy to God our strength. Shout aloud to the God of Jacob. I just love the way the Psalms approach worship with great joy and great passion and great sincerity. Uh, we are not merely invited to come to worship, but we are commanded as a decree and statute to worship God with joy, verse 4 says. This is a decree for Israel, an ordinance of the God of Jacob, to sing for joy to God our strength, <laughs> to shout aloud to the God of Jacob. Well, I'm not sure how you can require someone to worship with joy, uh, but it seems like we are commanded to do that. Of course, there are passages in the New Testament that call us to do uh, the same. James says, is any one of you happy? Let them sing psalms. Uh, if they're worried, if they're hurting, if they're persecuted, then let them pray. But if you're happy, then sing uh, psalms of joy. Uh, Jesus uh, constantly reminded his disciples, especially at the end of his life, uh, that the things he had spoken to them, he had spoken to them so that they might have joy and that they would have his joy and that it would be made complete. Um, uh, Ephesians 5:19 and Colossians 3:16 both say that we are to speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, uh, making music in our hearts to the Lord and doing that with great joy and gratitude. I think gratitude precedes joy. When you're grateful, then you're joyful. Um, I'm afraid to say this, but chances are, if you're not feeling very joyful lately, maybe you need to sing that great old hymn, Count Your Blessings, name them one by one. If you're grateful, then you will uh, be thankful and you'll be uh, singing those songs of joy. Uh, we are to bring that joy before the Lord, turn our hearts to God in gratitude moment by moment. And granted, there are some times when we're struggling and when we're going through difficult things, and by all means, share that with God. Do not deny the reality if you're suffering. Don't God, Scripture never says to do that. In fact, it says the opposite, especially in the book of Job that we've been looking at on Sunday mornings here at West Irwin Church of Christ. But we are commanded uh, to encourage one another through those difficult times so that we can continue to bring our joyful praise to God out of a heart full of gratitude. Uh, we've been covering the last three Sundays in our Bible classes here at West Irwin Church uh, from the book of Hebrews. And that's a great call to people to not give up their faith. They had been suffering greatly. They were likely Jewish Christians, as the name indicates. Lots of Old Testament in the book of Hebrews, especially from the Psalms. Lots of... of uh, scripture in the Hebrew, in the New Testament book of Hebrews about the Old Testament way of sacrificing in the high priests and all of those things. Uh, but what Hebrews is saying is that it's directed to people who had, who had turned away from the law of Moses, 
They, they still culturally were Jews and still observed those things to an extent, but they didn't seek their salvation by law keeping anymore uh, because they had come to know Jesus Christ and to trust in him through the obedience of faith. Uh, and now they're thinking about going back because all that's happened to them since they became a Christian was trouble and difficulty and persecution. So the writer of Hebrews encourages them not to give, give that up. And in that great passage in chapter 10, verses 23 through 25, he reminds them that they are to not give up meeting together. Don't forsake assembling together as some are already doing. The writer of Hebrews says just a few decades after Jesus had started the church, there were already people that were thinking about giving it up. And the writer of Hebrews says, encourage one another so that you won't do that. Uh, and all the more as you see the day approaching, as you realize that the return of Christ or the end of my life is coming sooner every day. And so we should encourage one another, encourage one another to live joyful lives, reminding each other of the great blessings that we have in Jesus Christ. That's why we go to church. And I realize many uh, worship online, and I think that's wonderful if that's the only avenue you have. But scripture is very firm in the New Testament in saying we are to meet together. Paul, even on his mission journeys, would seek out the church and he would meet with the church. Uh, and the writer of Hebrews is clear that the purpose in that is so that we can encourage one another. Yes, you can sing these great psalms of joy and songs of joy, and you can read scripture and you can pray at any time, day or night, whether you're by yourself or with your family or in any other sense. Uh, but that's, that doesn't encourage others other than yourself. And that's the important thing about the worship assembly is that we get a chance to be encouraged by other people but perhaps even more importantly, we get the chance to encourage others, to remind them of the great blessings that we have in our fellowship with each other and the salvation that God has given us through Jesus Christ. And so the writer of Hebrews says, don't give that up. Don't forsake that. Don't neglect that. Why? Because you need to be there. You need to be there for yourself and your own faith and the encouragement that you receive, but you also need to be there so that you can be that for others. That's the purpose of the church, the purpose of the worship assembly, is so that we might encourage one another. God could have decided, you know, well, let's not do the church. Let's just let everybody figure this out on their own. And wouldn't that have been horrible? Psalm 81 continues in verse 5. When God went out against Egypt, he established it as a statute for Joseph. I heard an unknown voice say, I removed the burden from their shoulders. Their hands were set free from the basket. They were released from slavery. In your distress you called and I rescued you, God says. I answered you out of a thundercloud. I tested you at the waters of Meribah. Uh-oh. Now we're getting to those times in the desert when they were spending that 40 years with Moses and Aaron in the desert. And, and so many times they were grumbling and complaining and whining and not focusing on the joy and the blessings they had. Um, and so God said this in verse 8 of Psalm 81. The psalmist quotes, Hear me, my people, and I will warn you. If you would only listen to me, Israel, you shall have no foreign god among you. You shall not worship any god other than me. What is called Jesus called the greatest commandment. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt. Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. 
These verses uh, remind us of Exodus chapter 20 when God gave the law to Moses to give to the people. But it doesn't begin with, you shall have no other gods before me. Uh, that's the imperative. That's the command. That's the decree. But it starts this way. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Jim Woodruff has said, looking at Ephesians and other uh, Bible books in the New Testament, that there is that sense of the indicative and the imperative. The imperative is, uh, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make any graven image. You shall honor your father and your mother. You, all of these things that we are to do, uh, the good things and the bad things we're not to do, that are the commands, are based, that's the imperative, but they're based on the indicative. It always starts with God. God blesses us. And then he gives us these commands to live by. And that's true in the New Testament, but it's also true even in the Old Testament. It's even true in the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt. Then he says, you shall have no other gods before me and all the others of the Ten Commandments. The law, even the law of Moses, was based on the gifts and the blessings that God had already given the children of Israel and all of humanity just by creation, certainly by calling Abraham for the Jews. Scripture is clear in Deuteronomy, I think it's chapter 7, it says, I didn't choose you because you were strong, because you were faithful, because you were powerful. I, I chose you because I loved you. All the blessings that we have from God stem from his love, and they call us to live obedient lives. They call us to be revived in our faithfulness. Revive us again, as that great song says. Um, it's always based on the indicative. It's always based on how God has already blessed us. In Ephesians 5, it's the same way. Live a life of love as dearly loved children. Love others as I have loved you. Jesus says you are to love one another. It starts with how much he loved us and then in return, we love him, but we also love others. Immediately after saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt, the indicative, God gives them the commands, the imperatives. And in this passage in Psalm 81, the command is to shout for joy. Shout for joy, all the earth. Shout for joy to your creator. Shout for joy to the one who has blessed you. Shout for joy to the one who sustains you. Shout for joy to the one who has saved you. God makes a, a promise. Open wide your mouth and I will fill it, he says in verse 10. Um, God's laws are not busy, onerous, horrible duties and burdens. You know, the psalmist in the midst of living under the law of Moses, and aren't we glad we don't have to, but the view of the psalmist was this, oh, how I love your law. I love your law. The Lord is my strength and my song. The Old Testament writers would say, again, that's not coming from people who were freed from the law through the blood and sacrifice of Christ, but these were people who lived under it. And yet they understood. They understood that they were uh, an outgrowth of God's great blessings. His laws and his commands are for our good, that we may prosper. And that was true in the Old Testament days as well, according to Deuteronomy 6. 
They reflect God's great wisdom. As the maker and creator, he knows how we should operate, right? Isn't that what we've always heard? You get that owner's manual out and it tells you exactly how uh, that product that's in your hand uh, should work because it's written by the ones who made it. Well, that's the Bible, my friends. It's written by the maker. It's written by our maker. And it tells us this is the best way to live. This is the best way to find fulfillment, uh, to get your mission and purpose in life, and to honor the one who made you. And we realize with the psalmist in Psalm, that great psalm in one, Psalm 139, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We look at the creation and we're amazed by it, as Psalm 8 says, that God has made us, humanity, in such a significant part of his creation because I'm saved by Jesus' work. It's my response of faith based on his sacrifice. Yes, there is a response of faith, and I believe it includes baptism. We believe in Jesus. We repent of our sins, which means we change our life. We are revived, <laughs> and uh, we confess that faith, and then we're baptized into Christ. Saul of Tarsus was told, get up and be baptized. Wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. That's how we call on his name. That's how our sins are washed away. And Saul of Tarsus, he had seen the Lord on the road to Damascus. He certainly believed. He had been praying and fasting for three days. You can't say he hadn't repented. Of course he had. And yet Ananias came to him and said, What are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Well, that word it still calls the, us to do the same thing to get up and be baptized and wash our sins away through the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, the more we are obedient, the more we realize the great vision that God has for us and the great joy that he calls us to. The psalm concludes in Psalm 81, beginning in verse 11. But my people would not listen to me. God called them, he blessed them, he freed them. He gave them the promised land. He gave them his law. But my people, God says, would not listen to me. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own devices. If my people would only listen to me, God says in verse 13 of Psalm 81, if Israel would only follow my ways, how quickly would I subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes? Those who hate the Lord would cringe before him and their punishment would last forever. But you, Israel, would be fed with the finest of wheat, with honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. If we rejoice in God, if we are, live obediently, not completely, of course, we don't live sinlessly. That's why Jesus had to come and live and die on the cross for our sins. But we can live faithfully. We can live joyfully. We can live with gratitude, thanking God with our words and our prayers and our songs, but also demonstrating that gratitude and thankfulness with an obedient life. Um, this remarkable promise becomes ours. Even through hard times and sufferings, God will cause us, if we turn away from him, uh, he'll do the same thing that he did to Israel. Why? Because he loves us. He will not just sit idly by while we turn away from him. He'll want us to come back to him, and he'll give us every opportunity to do that. And when we do, just like when that prodigal son came home, the father ran to him 
and, and renewed him and revived him and to his place in the family as a son, not a slave. God will do the same thing for us because Jesus paid the price. He made the sacrifice that we were unwilling to make because of our sinfulness. And so now if, if we do pray that prayer, God, revive us again. Fill each heart with thy love. May each soul be rekindled with fire from above. Uh, revive us again. That's the prayer in this psalm. And it's the realization, just as Paul had in 2 Corinthians 12, that even during those times when we're unfaithful and when we're weak and when we are uh, at the bottom, if we turn to God, then that's when we become strong. Ultimately, it is the strength that is found in God. In the cross, we have the ultimate example of triumph coming out of defeat, honey from the hardness, as this passage says, God promises you will be fed with the finest of wheat, with honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. Are you in need of revival today? Be reminded of the great blessings God has given you and be thankful. Uh, let that thankfulness and that gratitude be communicated to God and then let your heart be filled with joy knowing he has forgiven you. He's not only given you all these wonderful blessings, but he's also brought you forgiveness and paid the ultimate price for it, the death of his one and only son. What a great blessing that is. Let's not, let's not spit on that blessing. Let's not turn away from that blessing like the Israelites did after having secured their freedom through the grace and mercy and power of God. They turned away from him and were disobedient and were punished. But when they pray that prayer, revive us again, that renewal comes and it ends with rejoicing. Uh, we receive blessings from God, the gratitude, that's the indicative. The gratitude and the obedience, that's our response, that's the imperative. To receive that with joy, to shout for joy uh, to God, our Father. But then when we get away from Him, it's the call to repent, to change, to turn back, that, my friends, is revival. Let's bow for prayer. Father, bless those who are hearing this today. Father, revive us again. If there are those that need to repent of their disobedience, help them to do that. If there are those, Father, who have been away from your word, away from your commandments, Father, help them to repent, revive them again. Father, bless us as your church. Bless us as your people that we would be a people of joy, that we would shout for joy to the God who has loved us, who has created us, who has saved us by giving his one and only son. And now, Father, has revived us. And so, Father, we praise you. With revival comes rejoicing. And we will answer the call of the psalmist to worship and to praise and to shout for joy in praise to the God who has made us, who has saved us, who has revived us again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hope you have a wonderful weekend, and I look forward to seeing you again on Tuesday. God bless.